trying to think of what song we can all do together that would make us one for a moment and then also maybe bring people in from downstairs and outside. You guys all know there's a hole in the bottom of the sea? Know that song? Okay, well, try and follow along. It goes up. There's a hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a hole. There's a hole. There's a hole in the bottom of the sea. And then we just start putting things in the hole, okay? There's a log in the hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a log in the hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a hole. There's a hole. There's a hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a knot on the log in the hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a knot on the log in the hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a hole. There's a hole. There's a hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a frog in the knot in the log in the hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a frog in the knot in the log in the hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a hole. There's a hole. There's a hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a wart on the frog in the knot in the log in the hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a wart in the frog in the knot in the log in the hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a hole. There's a hole. There's a hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a fly in the wart on the frog in the knot in the log in the hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a fly in the wart in the frog in the knot in the log in the hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a hole. There's a hole. There's a hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a hare on the fly and the wart and the frog on the knot and the log and the hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a hare on the fly and the wart and the frog and the knot and the log and the hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a hole. There's a hole. There's a hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a germ on the hare. No, forget that. Okay. All right. Okay, I don't know how many of you remember uh, last time that I was up, I actually spoke about the second letter of John in the New Testament. People got a little freaked out because John, the apostle of love, started talking about truth as well and uh, talked even about being a little strong with some people who weren't preaching the truth. And I thought I'd give you a, um, a little review uh, in the way of inviting my little brother, Mark Sayers, to come up and tell you a story about him and a house of Christian guys he lived in back in the 1970s from which our soundtrack comes tonight. So um, I'm going to ask Mark to come on down. My brother Mark Sayers, our lawyer for Scum of the Earth. Yes. Hey, good evening. I dressed up for you all. Uh, it's Memorial Day weekend. Listen, the story. Mike told me about your sermon last week, and, uh, and I said, oh, gosh, it reminds me of this story, um, what happened back in Boulder. And, yes, I was in college uh, too long, but I was in college in the 70s into the 80s. At this point in time, I had dropped out to do some construction work, but I still lived in a house that I had become somehow the senior Christian member after they once tried to throw me out. But uh, we were there in a the house of seven guys, and there we were one summertime, and my youngest brother, Matt, who is really the little brother, Matt was there with us, not really a Christian at that time, so observing us. 
And we had a habit in this house of uh, living by a principle of taking people in who were seeking, moving in some direction of uh, being a part of what God is doing, uh, not going the other direction, not just a college guy. And typically in Boulder, you'll see street people. Uh, the winter time is not uh, a big time for them, but they move and they show up in the summertime. And this one person, a street guy, showed up one summertime. He had immigrated from Florida, where he was being a street person during the wintertime. And he had a good, seemingly uh, Christian uh, talk, you know, interest, and we let him stay with us. And he was there for the first month of the summer. Um, I was working fairly regularly doing construction work, and so I don't think I spent as much time with him as some of the other guys in the house that may have. And uh, in, eventually he started coming to our church with us, um, small uh, Christian church, kind of an intervarsity-based fellowship. And it had elders and a very sort of new early church arrangement and setup. We, um, you know, we believe that people have gifts, and some of those gifts give them some powers from God of discernment. Some of them are very natural gifts. You know, you might be something you were just born with. And uh, one of the elders in the church who had a gift of some discernment, uh, prophetic nature, um, at some point during that one time of the month, started hearing that this guy who was living with us was talking to other people in the fellowship and and uh, began to see that there was a little bit of a rap going on, and uh, that rap was uh, something that had a theology to it, and it had a place that it was bringing other people. As he was talking to people within the church we went to, I had no clue as to whether he was having that effect on guys in the house. Uh, but as the senior Christian fellow in the house and as the uh, person that the church knew was there, I was spoken to by one of the elders, and he said, listen, I think there's an issue here. This, I, we're going to check it out, but this guy might be a wolf among sheep, a wolf, or a she, yeah, a wolf in sheep's clothing. And I'm like, okay. And frankly, I have been told I have similar gifts of discernment, so I'm like, well, okay, I feel clueless now. But we spent some time. We got to know him. We, we met with him, and we talked. And I have to tell you that this isn't just a casual thing in our church. This is a church that had had many experiences. And as part of this church sometime prior to that, I'd been in the presence of someone who speaks in that voice you hear Hollywood try to imitate when it comes out of someone's mouth and it has like seven different tones coming out and you know it's the voice of something spiritually bad. Um, so I, as we confronted this guy a bit about his doctrine, he was became more and more confrontive to us, more and more telling us where we were, where we were going wrong, where everything else was wrong and nobody else was right. It eventually resulted in my having to take the step of telling him he was out of the house and he would be gone on Monday morning and your toothbrush better be with you because you're not coming back to pick up anything. So I had to then tell the other Christian guys in our house, all college age, some working, some maybe doing summer college courses, and uh, my brother Matt, the youngest one, was next to me, still wondering what all these people who called themselves Christians act like. And he, he watched as I told them that I had thrown this guy out. And each one of my Christian brothers who had lived with me for maybe even two to three years at that point, he sort of yelled at me, walked out, 
that morning to go to their jobs or respectively what they were doing, saying they didn't even know if they could continue to live in this house if what I did was going to represent the understanding of Christian faith and Christian brotherhood and love and kindness. And um, My brother Matt sat there, looked at me like this. Well, they were all gone. I go, well, I guess we'll just see how things go. For some reason, I wasn't working that day, and we hung out most of the day. And come around 5, 5.30, people start coming back in the house. And independently, each one of them had come up to us, and they started to tell, and then they stayed in the room. Well, you know, I was there, I was praying. I went out for lunch, or I took a break, and I talked to the Lord a little bit about what I was feeling this morning and what I thought. And It's really strange, Mark, but the Lord's started to show me how I had been actually affected, and I haven't really had the fellowship that we've had in this house for so long. And and one of them he, he even came back and said, you know, I the whole thought of he to him came the verses about a wolf in sheep's clothing. He says, I think I think he got his claws into me. I mean, I'm a little wounded. And it's weird that they were so in love with the idea of well, you got to just be kind. You can't just throw someone out. And um, yet, God spoke to each one of them individually. They hadn't talked. So five guys come back to the house, and what we didn't realize was that for that whole first month of that summer where we were all in that house together, that we really hadn't had any fellowship. And that evening became the first evening of any kind of and I'm not talking about formal things. I'm talking about things that really make you enjoy being a Christian. That comfort, that fellowship, where you can sit, you can hang, we could smoke our pipes, we could talk about this, we could uh, drink a beer, and we talked about the Lord. And it was a great renewing of fellowship. But for them, um, maybe some of them hadn't had the experiences I had had in the church where I'd seen spiritually powerful things take place. But for them to recognize how spiritually powerful things take place, it can take place through people, uh, and that it doesn't, it's not a condemnation of the guy, and no one's saying where his eternal soul's going, but that there is powers and principalities at war over our heads and trying to get into our lives, and they can. And that the body of Christ works in a way that allows you to be protected even when you don't see it. I personally believe that if you're completely alone and there isn't another brother or sister with the gift to see something and tell you, that God will give you that gift because you need it then. But when you're in a body, it's not going to be you that sees it and it's not always going to, you might be the one that does see it. And trust me, you don't feel that confident either when you're the one that sees it and thinks you need to respond properly or appropriately, but doing the Lord's, what the Lord wants. So I think that's why Mike thought you might want to hear that after the study last, last week in John, or First John, because uh, I'd had that experience of something real where you sort of do put the foot down, drop the hammer, you know, whatever it is that um, is necessary, but God is watching out. And those spiritual things are still going on today. And I'm, I don't have my doubts at all that some of you have already experienced it. Thanks, Mike.
Thanks, Mark. I appreciate that. Um, he'll be around probably for at least a little while, so you can ask him questions if you want to about that whole thing. So, Mark mentioned being in a spiritual battle, uh, powers, principalities, rulers of the air. There's this whole backdrop to the Christian life that has to do with unseen spiritual warfare. And just so you know, um, our first hot topic for the summer is going to be just about that. Next week, June 5th, uh, we'll have Sharon Beekman here. Sharon Beekman is uh, author of a book called Deceived by the Light. She was a spiritual medium, came to Christ right here in Denver. I had the uh, good fortune of reading her book in an office at Corona Presbyterian Church, which actually had a hand in, in her testimony, her story. And I assure you, when she tells her story next year, next week, there will not be uh, one bored person in the house. It's going to be something you don't want to miss. So make sure you come next week. Uh, Sharon Beekman will kick off our hot topics for the summer with angels, demons, and spiritual warfare. So that'll be, that'll be really good. We've uh, actually used her before to help uh, prepare the missionaries from SCUM who went to the Northern Cheyenne Reservation up in Lame Deer, Montana, to talk about traditional Indian religion and how that might affect us, what to watch out for, how to respond to people who are into it. So she's very well versed on a lot of topics. All right, um, there's a word I'm hoping that's going to show up here. Agapite. Agapite. Um, that is a word that I used to see in every card birthday card, anniversary card, every letter that came from my old Greek grandmother. Um, she would start off her letters with agapitem mu pedia, my, my very dear children. Uh, interesting thing that uh, she would use the same greeting that's used over and over again by the Apostle John when he's writing to his friends in the various churches around Ephesus, where he was the elder. So when you see the words, dear friends, translated in the NIV that we'll use tonight to look at the passage of 3 John, just know that that's the word, agapite. That means my, my, my dear ones, my beloved ones, the ones that I hold in my heart. It's a very tender word. Um, in Greek, if you love someone, you say, sagapo. I, I love you. It's, it's, it's become that kind of a word. So, so John stays true to what we know of him as being the apostle of love. And I wanted to make sure we went to third John, the third letter, so that we didn't leave with him being, you know, the elder of truth as much as it's balanced off by his uh, apostle of love. Although we will get some truth in this letter. So uh, if you have a Bible, turn it to the third letter of John, somewhere right before Revelation there. Yeah, I think you'll find it, okay? Uh, and um, he identifies himself again as the elder. The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, 
Now, the first thing you want to realize about this is that he says, dear friend, agapi temu Gaius. Gaius is a Greek name, not a, not a Hebrew name. And that's important. And he loves Gaius in the truth. So once again, we have those two concepts of love and truth, which are kind of welded together on a steel bar, and they go every place together when it comes to the Apostle John. You cannot get rid of them. All right? Dear friend, there it is again. I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. So what do we know about Gaius? We know that Gaius is a good friend of the Apostle John. We know that the Apostle John respects Gaius when it comes to how his soul is. So this is a man that John respects, that the inside, the character here on the inside is something that John admires. And he's saying, I hope that you're doing as well physically as you are spiritually. That's what I'm hoping. That's what he's saying here. Now, if you take this verse out of context, it can become very, very dangerous. The King James Version goes like this. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Can anybody hear health and wealth gospel theology coming out of that verse? Because that is where it came from for Oral Roberts. He writes about this, Oral does, as having read this one day, he didn't have time to read his Bible, he says, uh, that morning he was going out the door, realized I haven't done my devotions, runs back inside, does one of the Bible roulette things, you know, where you just flip the pages open to wherever it lands, reads one verse, this is the verse, it changes Oral's life and ministry. Oh my gosh, God loves me so much. He only not He not only wants me to be good spiritually, but he's concerned. He wants me to be, be, be prosperous materially and healthy and launched a whole ministry on this one verse out of context. I mean, I'm all for people being healthy and wealthy. Trust me. I, I, I pray for my supporters regularly that they remain healthy and wealthy. They love Jesus, they give to the church, works for me. Um, and um, so, you know, having them around is a good thing. <laughs> Interesting thing, I just had two supporters, honestly, who almost died. And, you know, as a man who prays, I, I wonder sometimes, Lord, I mean, I don't know if my prayers had anything to do with them. I'm sure their wives and their children are thanking you profusely, but let me just add my voice to that chorus. Because there's, I mean, really honestly, if you love someone, you're going to hope this, right? There's nothing wrong with people having enough money to pay their bills and, and not being sick. I think it's great. But it's a greeting, okay? It's, 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 let's take it in context. It's, 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 it's not the meat of the passage. It's not what John really wants to get to. It's kind of his introductory remarks. Enough about that. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. 
So John is just saying, you know, it is so wonderful to hear when your spiritual charges are doing well, when those who have come to Christ uh, as a part of your ministry, when those who are part of your Bible study, when those who are part of your small group, when those who are in your church, when those who are in a ministry situation with you, whatever, when they're doing well and people talk about it and it gets back to you, it's awesome. It's awesome. I can't tell you how wonderful it is when I hear reports of people who have left scum and are doing wonderful things elsewhere. Just being Christians, it makes me feel like, yeah, this is so great, Lord, thank you. Like, I didn't totally blow it with that person. Um, They're still walking with you. And so I I thought, you know, I haven't done this hardly ever. Hold on. This is empty, which is okay. And I have um, a bunch of pieces of paper with your names on them. Okay, and and I thought, you know, there are so many people here who are doing well, and maybe I should take a cue from the Apostle John and let you know how well I think you're doing. So I'm just going to reach down in here and grab, because I got your names, like, you know, I just kind of scanned the crowd, was writing things down earlier. Oh, Holly Brandley, here we go. Okay, Holly Branley is back there behind the soundboard. There she is. Okay, she's right here, right in front. Holly Branley. I, I want you to know that um, Holly is amazing. One of the most humble people you'll ever meet here at Scum of the Earth. I mean, really, if, if you want to talk to somebody who has a sweet spirit, isn't putting on airs, doesn't try to be more than she is, encourages you where you are, Talk to Holly. Holly is doing well spiritually. I watched as she waited upon God month after month after month for the right job. I, you know, I mean, and, and for friends to do things with. And God has met a lot of her requests. And it is really good to see you. I want you to know I'm very proud of you. And, and I, I'm really grateful for your service to come in there for all of us. I mean, it really means a lot. So thank you very much. Okay. Let's see here. Okay. Jeff and Ginny. Uh, Jeff and Ginny are in morning church. Uh, Jeff's on staff. Jeff is um, primary responsibility uh, on staff is for the morning church. And I just want to say, if you don't know these folks, you should because... These guys, uh, when they came to us, they were like spiritual refugees. I mean, (laughs) I remember saying something to them like, I'll tell you, why don't you just sit here, just soak, just relax, and uh, why don't you let the ear, let your spiritual ear stop ringing from what amounted to a spiritual abuse. Let that stop, uh, and then see if you want to, you know, hang around or get involved. And they ended up getting involved. He ended up being on staff. He actually helps lead the services in the morning. Um, They uh, a real testimony to people who have stuck with it, even when the church sometimes can, can, can make you not want to stay with it. When you follow Jesus, even though, you know, his kids make you want to vomit. Okay. All right. 
Let's see here. Okay, I already did that this morning. I'm going to do them again. Oh, Craig Blomberg. <laughs> Craig Blomberg um, is obviously, where are you? There, were you over here somewhere? There he is, right over here. How many of you guys know who Craig Blomberg? He's spoken here before. Okay, good. Most of you know who he is. I just want to say that, that scum is the stronger for Craig being around. We are certainly, my wife says it's his job to make sure we, we do not fall into heresy. <laughs> And uh, honestly, if you've got a question about the Bible, there may not be anybody in the world, um, much less Denver, who could answer your questions as quickly as Craig. <laughs> okay? All right. So, yeah, seriously. So we're, I'm really glad you're here, Craig, and um, thank you for, uh, for dragging your wife with you. <laughs> okay. Oh, my. This is like uh, Denver Seminary professor uh, night. Brad Widstrom. <laughs> Brad's right over here. Brad, would you raise your hand? There he is. You guys don't know Brad much. He, he actually uh, spoke one time uh, back in uh, last year, back at our, our, our real building. Uh, Brad is a youth and family professor over at Denver Seminary, uh, also does the outdoor ministry education kind of stuff, right? Is that, I'm, I'm trying to, I don't have the right words, I'm sure. Leadership, thank you, outdoor leadership. And uh, he's, um, you know, honestly, it was weird because they started coming. And, you know, whenever people my age start coming, I'm always suspect. I'm always wondering, like, like what, what is it? Like, why would you come here? I mean, you know, seriously. And they, they uh, especially since he was one of my, one of my teachers. <laughs> that makes it even weirder for me. But they said, hey, listen, um, we'd like to host the staff Christmas party this year. And really, I had no idea where we were going to host the staff Christmas party. And, and, and they just opened their home, and they fixed all this food, and they didn't want anything in return. It was like, holy cow. And if you've ever sat and talked to Brad, that's probably more Sandy than Brad about the dinners, by the way, just so you know. But Brad will encourage you like none other. If you're feeling like you don't matter, spend some time with Brad Winstrom because he will bring you back to the reality of who God is in your life and why you're here on this earth. Okay. Adam Skinner. Adam Skinner. Where are you, Adam? There you are. Okay. I, I don't know. If, this guy right here is just scary looking, but one of the nicest guys. <laughs> it was great th today during prayer beforehand because uh, uh, he was sitting next to, to Genevieve and, and, you know, like he's all in black with a beard and this, you know, cross around his neck. He looks like some kind of goth monk. And, uh, and then there's Genevieve in every bright color imaginable, which is beautiful as well. And it was just like you're going like, okay, in a crowded room, and if I needed to ask a question, who would I go to? <laughs> but this is the deal. This man loves Jesus. He loves the church. He uh, is not afraid to go in the darkest places to proclaim uh, the truth about Christ. 
um, which is one of the reasons um, he's here. Um, I think he's found a home, and I think you could be encouraged. Uh, I mean, he's encouraged. He's encouraged me. So I'm just really, I mean, honestly, I think if, if anything, it's the gift of evangelism that you have that really makes me want to keep going in the same direction. Because it's one of those, evangelism's hard, you know. It's one of those things where you'd just rather stay home and watch television. And so I'm glad you're around to help me not to think that's okay. All right. Where's Christina Lynch? There she is. Okay, I, I, I know you probably hate this bringing attention to you, but I just want to say thank you for your service, your, your quiet, uh, you know, hardworking. I mean, you, I mean, I, she doesn't bring attention to herself, but I'm telling you, I mean, when the jobs that nobody else wants to do, like let's gather people together to help clean this place up and we're done. She does. And we should all be more like you. I, I want to thank you very much. Do one more. It's getting late. I haven't even begun yet. Ha-ha, Katina Lowe. <laughs> there she is right there in the front. I, how many of you guys went to our very, very last art opening at the old art gallery? Okay, that was she was the featured artist. And one thing you need to know about her is she is one of those Christians in-your-face artists. It's like, I am not afraid to tackle every stinking televangelist there is and make fun of them in my art. If I want to, I will. <laughs> um, and the thing I like, I like about her is that there's this truth that she brings out in her art that makes you look at the way things are and say, yes, it's not the way I want it to be. It's the, this is the way it is. Um, so, yeah, so I really appreciate those. And I'm just, I've got, this is full of everybody else, so I'm just going to put it down. Thank you. So I thought I'd try and be a little bit like the Apostle John there. Let's go on. Verse 5. Dear friends, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. So once again, Agapitemu, my dear friend, you are faithful in what you're doing for the brothers and sisters. Even though they are strangers to you. This is the great thing. Sometimes I think about some of the other church, and honestly, as a church, I want you to know that I am extremely pleased that we are as hospitable a church as we are. I mean, there are people that come through here with no place to stay that can get a room in someone's house for the evening. Uh, people who have no food to eat, and we feed them often, you know, right here. We take in people that other churches, well, don't even know exist. And for that, I am extremely grateful. I am so proud of you guys as a church for being the way you are. We have a presence on the Internet, evidently. People come from all over the country, and when they're in Denver, they want to stop and see Scum of the Earth Church. You know, we'll have 40 kids from Michigan one night. We'll have, you know, kids from... 
uh, colleges all over the eastern seaboard. Why? I don't know. But God sends them to us, right? It, it's actually kind of a pat on our back that God thinks enough about this little tiny church called Scum of the Earth that He's going to send His kids from around the country to us when they're in Denver. And He knows that when they come here, He knows they're going to be loved and they're going to be encouraged in their faith, that they're going to be asked to to trust Jesus more. He knows those things, which is why He sends them to us. If He didn't want them to come, He would send them some other place. I'm serious. Have you ever been in churches where there are never visitors? I have. And when there's one visitor, like, everybody gloms on him because, oh, my gosh, we got a visitor, and the visitor's overwhelmed. Here it's like, oh, well, hi, welcome, sure. Come on, get in line. You want to help clean up? I mean, come on. <laughs> You're just part of the family. That's what I like about you guys. For the sake of the name they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. And this goes across denominational boundaries. I don't need to say that, do I? We don't care whether you're Methodist or Baptist or Episcopal, Anglican, whether you're PCUSA or almost out of the PCUSA. We don't care. (laughs) You're welcome here if you love Jesus, and even if you don't. And then verse 9. This is John the Elder says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Isn't this kind of like the opposite of what I've been hearing? Diotrephes, Greek name, means son of Zeus. John, the elder, the one who walked with Jesus, says that I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. Excuse me? You're not going to welcome John the Apostle? Let's read on. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. So, Diotrephes must be a guy of some standing. My guess is he's the senior pastor of a little house church. Back then in Ephesus, you had John in his house church and the churches that grew up around him. But then as the gospel kept spreading exponentially, because Christians are loving people, because they're hospitable people, because the Spirit of God was working in might and power, churches started springing up in people's houses all over the place. There there weren't any churches back in the ancient world that were probably as big as us. We're talking less than 50 people because the houses just weren't that big. And so you have maybe, you know, John led somebody to Christ who led somebody to Christ who led somebody to Christ who led Diotrephes to Christ. And Diotrephes has no idea who John is. He comes to Christ. He's charismatic. He's got talents. He's got gifts. He rises to a position of leadership. 
And all of a sudden, he's going, why do I have to listen to this guy? Who's he? That's what's going on. Dr. Fees doesn't know all the old stories. He certainly doesn't know the Jewish culture. He's Greek. And so, maybe wittingly, maybe unwittingly, he is giving the apostle John himself the stiff arm and saying, you stay away. John sends him a letter. Obviously, that letter is gone. My guess is, Diotrephes could have burned it. And so the Apostle John, who's been trying to reach out to this guy, Diotrephes, the Apostle John, who's been sending letters, and much more than that, sending emissaries out to talk to him about what the truth is and the history of the Christian church, the very, very short history of the Christian church, Diotrephes is stopping all those people. And then if you're in his church and you entertain one of those people, he kicks you out of the church. This is a serious problem. Egotistical, prideful, arrogant. I know you've never seen any Christian leaders like Diotrephes, right? Sadly, this is a modern problem as well as an ancient problem. We have a problem with this kind of thing, especially in America. We're a whole nation built on rebellion. And realize that we won our independence by telling the British to go take a flying leap, right? We hold our independence fiercely. It's filtered into our churches. How many independent churches do we need? How dangerous when a pastor has no accountability. You've seen this in the news. I don't think I need to talk about it much more than this. But the pastors you see who have fallen in big ways with no accountability, it's because there's nobody around, because they're independent. And if they do have some kind of at least titular authority to the denomination, they don't even pay attention to it. Happy is the leader who has authority and who submits to that authority. <laughs> I mean, really. Can you, would you want the Apostle John to come and visit you? Think about it for a minute. This guy, you know, three years of watching Jesus. Three years of training and casting out demons, healing people. If I remember correctly, wasn't it the Apostle John and his brother who wanted to bring down fire from heaven on a whole village to wipe it out because they wouldn't listen to Jesus? <laughs> I mean, think about it. What's it mean to have the Apostle John come visit you? Diotrephes probably has no idea. The guy doesn't come with just kind old man words. He comes with spirit and power. I don't know what he's going to do. But he's going to come and call attention 
to what Diotrephes is doing. He's going to come remind him of what's going on. There's this idea of, I'm going to remember for you the kind of things that you're doing and maybe what you're not doing. great thing about it is is that John is not asking Gaius, to whom he's writing, to do anything. Do you notice that? He's not triangulating. He's not saying, Gaius, I want you to go talk to Diotrephes for me. Set him straight. He's saying, no, Gaius, look, I love you. You're doing great. I just want you to know I'm coming close to you, and I'm going to be taking care of Diotrephes. So I just want you to be aware of that. I kind of like that one-on-one tack that John is taking. Of course, John knew Jesus' steps to winning back a brother who has gone astray. Talk to him one-on-one first. If he won't listen to you, then go and grab one or two other brothers and then go and talk to him together. He won't listen to you then, then bring it before the whole church. And if not then, then, you know, deal with them with church discipline. You could expect that kind of treatment here, just so you know. If I find out that you are messing up, not in doctrine, you notice that Diotrephes is not chided for his doctrine here. John did that in Second John, the letter before. He got on those people because they weren't looking at Jesus right. Here it's their, their practice. It's how Diotrephes is acting. But I can assure you that if you you know, are slipping up, it's going to be that way here. We'll come and we'll talk to you one-on-one. And then if you don't listen, we'll probably bring a few more people around. And if you won't listen then, then we might have to bring even most of the church into the whole deal. Why? Because we love you. John is dealing with Diotrephes, and the only way Diotrephes really would have any respect for John, to ignore it, would just be received as fear, timidity, not wanting to deal with the problem. Oh, Christians, you know, they, they hate conflicts. So they just let it happen whatever happens. No, I, I think Christians confront in love. I think John loves Diotrephes, so he's going to come and he's going to deal with them, even if it's a little bit harshly. And so then he uses this situation as a teaching point for, uh, for Gaius. And he says, Gaius, verse 11, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. So he's not talking about people out in the world. He's talking about Christians right now. He's saying, look, you can tell people by the way they act. You can tell a tree by its fruit. You can see that Diotrephes, don't imitate him. You know, anyone who does what is good is from God. What he's doing is not from God. He's not seeing God. We're going to help him see Jesus, hopefully, when we come and talk to him. But don't imitate what he's doing. Don't imitate people like that. If you see people in the church, you leave scum, you go someplace else, and something looks weird, something looks fishy, something looks wrong in the life of the pastor, the elders, the staff people, the deacons, whatever, you know what? Don't imitate them. 
Don't imitate them. Go someplace else where you can imitate the people that God has put in leadership above you. Because Christianity is more, more caught than taught very often. We ended up imitating those that we admired. I mean, I'm here today because of people I admired who were doing this kind of thing. Their lives were in order. They loved their wives. They loved their husbands. They loved their children. They, they loved the church, God's people. They loved lost people. They loved everybody. They were hard workers. I'm going, I want to be like those people. And that's how I got sucked in to being a pastor. And so then he brings up this guy that he thinks is a good example. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is true. It reminds me of those old highlights for children's books. Remember Goofus and Gallant? Did you guys ever get those? Don't be like Goofus, be like Gallant, you know? And uh, so it's like, don't be like Diotrephes, be like Demetrius. Demetrius may have been the guy who was carrying the letter to Gaius. So it may have been, hey, by the way, the guy bringing the letter to you, he's a good guy. You can trust him. That might have been it too. We don't know. Verse 13, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. There it is, face to face again. Notice he doesn't say, I hope to see you soon, and uh, so we'll just talk on Facebook. He doesn't say that. There are things that are not good to talk about via Facebook, via email, via text messaging, and maybe even via the phone. I mean, you get this? There are things you should not do except face-to-face, and that is what the Apostle John is saying right here. He goes, I have much more to talk to you about, but I don't want to do so here. I want to do so face-to-face. I mean, if you want to argue theology, please don't do it on Facebook. All right, I'm just asking you right now. I, I have seen too many people get pissed off at Christians on Facebook because they choose to argue the finer points of doctrine and theology on Facebook. Let us not be those kinds of people. All right? Let us be the kinds of people who talk to those face-to-face where you can see body language, you can see the expression. If their feelings are starting to get hurt and they start to cry, you don't keep going. <laughs> Let's balance the truth with love, <laughs> just like the Apostle John does. And you can't do that via Facebook. Do not break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend via text message. It's just not right. You have to look them in the eye and tell them what's going on. Please don't do that. Oh, my, come on. You're making that up. Hey, I'm a pastor. I talk to people after the text messages and after the emails, you know, as their lives are falling apart momentarily. Please don't be those kinds of people. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Peace to you. 
peace to you. For John, this undoubtedly came from his Hebrew roots. He would have said Irini in Greek, the Greek word for peace, but for him it came from shalom. Shalom is one of those terms, it's not just lack of stress. It goes much deeper than that. It's a well-being. It's a well-being in body, in soul, in spirit. It's like kind of thing he was saying at the very, very beginning. He wants peace to be with you. And as I'll say, as a senior pastor at SCUM, I want peace to be in your lives. As you follow Jesus, you will gain more and more peace. The farther you get away from Jesus, the less peace you will have. The closer you get to Jesus, the more shalom he can pour into your life. It's one of those heart checks, right? Look, sometimes God takes us through very, very difficult things. But he does that. He allows that to happen so that we draw close to him. I can tell you that some of the most difficult times in my entire life are the times when I was sitting on Jesus' lap, meanwhile pounding on his chest. I can't believe you let this happen to me. Thank you for loving me. I don't know even know if I like you right now. Thank you for holding me. I want to hurt you. Thank you for bringing me peace in the middle of this turmoil. It's back and forth and back and forth, sitting on his lap, pounding on his chest. Shalom goes deeper than all of that. That you know, that you know, that you know, that you are held in the palm of God's hand, and he will never allow you to squirm your way out. That is peace right there, folks.